All right, well, there will be baseball today. We know that for sure. As a matter of fact, there are two scheduled games. The Padres and the Phillies are scheduled to get their NLCS underway today. And Kevin Parker at 4.07. The Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians will finally play. Will finally play the fifth and deciding game of their series after yesterday's rainout. The winner, of course, advances to more than likely be obliterated by the Houston Astros, who are sitting at home in Houston, just kind of chilling. You know, Dusty's chilling. Dusty's got the John Lee Hooker on in his office. He's got the incense going. Woosah. Yes, you know, Woosah, exactly. <laughs> Dusty's kicking back. Clubhouse, the lights are down low. Everybody's everybody's chill. Um, probably won't be the case. Probably won't be the case in New York today. Let me ask you. For, well, let me ask you. Who, who do you think he's yep. rooting for to win this game? Who do you think it is? If he, you know, he is knowing Dusty the way I know him. You, you've talked to Dusty. He's yeah, rooting Dusty's, for one of these two teams. Who do you think uh, he's rooting for? Dusty wants the Guardians. I think Dusty wants the Guardians. I think his team wants. I don't think his team wants any part of Yankee Stadium. See, uh, I, I, I don't. I don't agree I, with that. I don't agree with that. You're probably going to go where I was about to go after my butt. So I'll let you continue. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just thinking with no Bieber today, all of a sudden Bieber can go in Game One of the ALCS, and then you would have him in Game One, and in Game Five you'd have Tristan McKenzie in Game Two and Six. You'd have Quantrill in At Three home. and Seven. Like yeah. you're getting, you know, you're getting their best three a couple of times in that series. So I'm not. Again, I think the Astros are going to run away with this thing. They're the best team in baseball, in my mind. Even if the Dodgers and the Braves are still in it. But, man, if you're Dusty and you're sitting around thinking, which pitching staff can give my team the biggest challenge with the way Cleveland's got their line, their, their rotation lined up, if they win this game, that'd be tough. That wouldn't be easy. Uh, Kevin, who, who benefits from this rain out? You know, I, was, I was thinking about this yesterday. Now, uh, Terry Francona is sticking with Aaron Savali as his starter. Uh, Aaron Boone is going with Nestor Cortez on short rest. Terry Francona's bullpen, his high-leverage guys, haven't worked since game two of this series. So they've had – they didn't work game three. They didn't work game four. They've had some time off. Who does this benefit? To me, it, it obviously benefits the Yankees because we know that their bullpen is a mess right now. We know that there are a whole bunch of red flags around Clay Holmes in terms of how he can be used. I think that extra day plays into the Yankees' hands. I have no problem with Terry Francona's decision to stick with Savali, you know, doing some research. Tito's gone with pitchers on short rest six times as manager in Cleveland. He's lost five of those games. Plus, I think the dude knows his pitchers more than we do. So I have no problem with sticking with Savali over over Shane Bieber. But where I think this really hurts the Guardians is it's given that Yankees bullpen an extra day. 
Yeah, I think so. The Wanda Peralta thing, right? He would have been uh, four yeah. days in a row if they would have used him yesterday. Now he had three days and a, and a day off, so you can use him probably multiple innings if you're Aaron Boone. <laughs> Clay Holmes, like you mentioned, back-to-back, they didn't really want to, right? They have came out and said it, and there was the issue in one of the games where, you know, you don't want to use him when you're trying to protect him and the shoulder and yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So now you can use him for multiple innings if you have to. Uh, didn't seem like they wanted to pitch or start Jamison Tyone. Now they get to do Nestor Cortez, right? If you get him through three innings with the lead, now all of a sudden you got a rested three guys, Loisica, Holmes, and Peralta down there that you can go multiple innings to. So, yeah, it's a slam dunk for me. Yesterday, the, the Guardians had the advantage just because of the rest that the bullpen had for the Guardians and the rest that the Yankees didn't have. And Aaron Boone was going to have to piece it together. And we've seen managers that tried to do that this time of the year. Jeff, it don't go real well. So just this year, it's now for me, it's all about, you know, if you're Booney, when do you use Peralta? Is it, if you, if say it's one nothing Yankees uh, in the fourth inning, do you go to Peralta then or do you wait later in the game? I think that for me is the big, the big question mark, mark with Aaron Boone. But I do think the team that scores first with a crooked number, Say it's 2 nothing in the fourth. Say it's 3-1 in the fourth. For one team, that's the big advantage because now you can go to power and you can go to power a lot, and it's your best guys. You don't have to use somebody if you're one of these managers that you don't want to use. So that, that'll be an interesting thing too, but it's, it's going to be a good game today. Yeah, see, I, I think it's really important for the Guardians to score first because if you do that, you immediately – you, you've almost put Aaron Boone in the position where he has to make the first move as manager. You also increase, I'm going to say the heat, bad word. You also increase, I think, the spotlight on Aaron Judge. If you're behind, if the Yankees are behind early, Aaron Judge has not had a good ALDS. We'll talk to Jeff Nelson about that, Yankees analyst. He joins us in a few minutes. Tony Gwynn, Jr., is there anybody else you'd rather talk to? I think of San Diego baseball. I think of Tony Gwynn's father. Tony no Gwynn question. Jr. will join us later on in the show to look ahead to that series, which I am extremely – I'm, I'm psyched for that series. Even though I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick either of those teams to represent the National League, we were talking about before he came in the air. You do a deep dive into that pitching. You look at some of the, the names that are in that series. I, that – that's going to be spectacular. I think that's going to be spectacular baseball. So we'll talk to, we'll talk to uh, Tony about that. Uh, so we agree. I think scoring first is really important in this game. Who do you think is the X factor for both teams, Kevin? Who, who's the Yankees X factor? You may have already said that in Wandy Peralta. Who do you think the Yankees X factor is, and who do you think the Guardians X factor is? Well, well, I think yeah, obviously I, I think the pitching is so good now, and they locate so well, and they're trying to line up against the other team's weakness so good right now. That's why they're throwing Nestor Cortez because the Guardians have a bigger issue with left-handed pitching than they do right-handed pitching. So it's just smart to to throw him for however many innings you want to throw him. But I'm gonna look for somebody in the lineup. Yeah, you know, Giancarlo Stanton and and Aaron Judge are combined three for 28. I would think Jeff, it has to be one of those two guys. You know, I haven't seen a lineup. Any chances that a Stanton could be playing right field, a judge in, in, in uh, left field, a Bader in center, so you could get somebody, I don't know, like a Matt Carpenter in the lineup. Like somebody, right, to get your best lineup out there, that would be an interesting thing. Now, I'm, I think Stanton has play, hadn't played 
defense since like July, so that's probably not going to happen. But I think it's going to be one of the two big boys. Somebody's it's probably not going to be stringing together three or four hits. It's going to be somebody stays inside a baseball and hits a ball out of that short porch in right field. And I would think it would be one of those two guys in Stanton or Judge. And I'll pick Stanton. I think there's so much pressure on Judge to perform at a high level. I mean, he's getting booed by Yankees fans. who just make you scratch your head. But I'm going to, I'm going to put it probably on Stanton. I think he needs to come up big and do something. On the other side, look, I, I – I just don't know if you can pick a guy in their lineup. Mm. They're pitching so good. Their bullpen's lined up the way it is. Terry Francone has been there and done it before. The bright lights are not going to be too bright for him. He'll probably make the right move. I mean, he's got three dudes that are excellent that throw a bazillion miles an hour. I could run three of those guys out there. So I don't think he's going to have an issue doing that. I just think the lineup, I mean, the obvious choice would be Jose Ramirez. Josh Naylor, do you want to see the the cradle of the baby running around the, the bases? I, yeah, again, I... I just I think it has to be a collection of all of them. Can I say all of them in the lineup? Like they have to be themselves. I don't think I it's one certain person with that. But who do you got? I got a couple. I got I got a couple of guys. I I mentioned Glaber Torres late in the regular season as being the guy that I think is key to that lineup because of the the length he offers. I think Glaber Torres. I I get you know, Stanton and Judge are going to have the big. You know, that, 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 that's where the focus is going to be. Harrison Bader has hit some home runs in this series. I got a feeling Glaber Torres, if the Yankees win, Glaber Torres is going to be two for three with a walk or three for four or something yeah. like that. I, don't I've forget. Been, go ahead. No, don't forget, too, Oswaldo Carrera is playing shortstop. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do that a ton, so you could throw his name in the mix when it comes to the defensive side. It's a lot of pressure on that kid to play shortstop in a, in a deciding game for them to go to the ALCS, so you could throw him his name in the mix. I just think, you know, sometimes you have to have your big guys, you know, yep. literally be your big guys, and that's why I'm picking one of those two. I'll tell you the guy, the guy in the Guardians that I love watching play, and I admit, I mean, I knew about him, obviously, because he – was getting a lot of consideration for individual awards and all that. But I got a feeling that Stephen Kwan, you know, you talk about that lineup. It's a good choice. And Kev, I just, I, I don't, I, I look at Stephen Kwan and I keep, I keep thinking to myself, there is a guy that if the Guardians can win this series, I think Stephen Kwan is the type of guy that might have a little bit of success against Houston. I love the way he plays. I just I love the energy he brings. A game like this, four oh seven, weird start time. It's still going to be a little cold. Probably going to be a little slippery. I just see that athleticism. Stephen Kwan, if he can if he can do something right out the gate, just a mm-hmm. you know just a, a a bloop the other way or something like that. That's that's my guy in that lineup. Obviously, Jose Ramirez is the guy that is the big the big dude in that team. But man, Stephen Kwan just strikes me as the type of guy that comes through in the fifth game, and 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 does something. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that's sort of the way the the Guardians' way, right? Is is you get on base, you steal a base, you go first to third, you go first to home. With who's playing shortstop now for the Yankees today, you put a little pressure on him, make him move his feet, cover some bases that he's not normally used to covering. Now he's played some second base, so he understands what it takes to you know be in that sort of general area. But it's not shortstop, so yeah, I'm with you. That's a good choice too. I I just think there's it's because they don't hit a lot of home runs, and Josh and Jose Ramirez has been chasing 
chasing some balls mm. that he normally does. You can tell he's forcing it. He's trying to create some things. So I'm not sure I, I really like him today. I just think who they are is sort of a collection of a bunch of dudes. You know, they fight, they get two strikes, they foul balls off, they do little things. So I'm going to say it's going to be have to be a bunch of guys in that lineup. Let, let me ask you this, Kevin. If you are the Guardians and you know that your bullpen – is lights out when it isn't rested. <laughs> you know that you've got your three leverage arms good to go, probably if you wanted two innings each, if, if you wanted. If you had to do that. You So we're basically looking at Aaron Savali as giving you three. If he gives you three good innings, I mean, if you're the Guardians, you take that any day. Does that help the Guardians hitters knowing that there is that edge waiting for their team in the bullpen. Oh, absolutely. Or does that, go, does that go out the window when you're in No, no, abs- absolutely. Now you're thinking we, we can play a four-inning game instead of a nine-inning game because of who we have waiting. You know, you've got some guys down there that who are the eliminators and can get a bunch of really good hitters out on the road, and you're thinking if we put up a crooked number in the first couple of innings and Terry Francona, who is sort of – I mean, I, if you don't listen to his – and, and just love listening to him talk about his team and and this time of the year and he's that thing he said about you know if you'd have told me in spring training about game five in Yankee Stadium we'd take that every day that's that's pretty cool to listen to him talk so yeah if you're on the offensive side you're thinking to yourself man if I can have a a really good one or two at bats we score a couple of runs and turn it over to the bullpen that's been elite most of the year and now, because they're rested, they can give you multiple innings per guy. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it a ton easier that you know now that you don't have to play a nine-inning game. So, that would be interesting to see who scores first, how they handle it, how Booney handles Peralta. I mean, he's sort of the X factor. Do you back him up right after, you know, you, you bring out uh, nasty Nestor Cortez, or do you wait a little while? So, be interesting, but I do think whoever scores first, put up that crooked number, it'll help. Let me ask you this. Did you have an issue with the way this the rainout was handled yesterday? Because I know Brian Cashman said he was he wasn't upset, but uh, yeah, he was he was I, I think looking back he said he felt bad that, you know, the fans had come out to the game and that they had to wait around and the game was rained out. I mean, the first thing I would say is, you know, uh that's hey, that's October baseball, man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. if you're going to have off days, and you're going to try to futz around with the schedule to keep TV happy, you're going to end up running into days where you have rain. I think most baseball fans accept that. I guess only baseball will know would know really what the chances were of playing that game. Like, As a player, would you rather find out in your hotel room, let's say at 1 o'clock, that the game is canceled? As opposed to going to the ballpark and then finding out, you'd rather know sure, ahead of time, sure, right? Sure, sure, I would. Sit, sitting around and not knowing unknowns about how, especially I've never played in a game that's as big as this game that they're about to play. But just sitting around and not knowing really what to do. Do I go to the batting cage again? Do I go get loose? Do I put my uniform on? Do I go take my pregame shower? You know, when do I eat? And now that's disrupted. You don't get to do any of it if you already done half of it. It sort of disrupts the mental part of playing a baseball game that matters as much as these do. And I was trying to put myself in that situation because I've been in a bunch of those. You know, I've played in a bunch of minor league games and been in some winter ball games that you've been in those situations. It's a mental grind. The team that can eliminate that, move on from it, and come back is probably going to win the game today. 
Jeff Nelson is a four-time World Series champion with the Yankees. He's a Yes Network analyst. He joins us in Blair and Barker. Jeff, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We trust that you're doing well, that you're keeping well. So this is the this is the 14th rainout, I think, for the Guardians uh, this year. They've had a lot of rainouts. Uh, Terry Francona was talking yesterday about, you know, well, I mean, if anybody's going to be rained out in the postseason, it's going to be us, given the way this year has gone. Does that make any difference? When a team is a quote-unquote experienced handling rainouts and rain delays, no, not really. You know, as a play, former player, you hate rainouts anyway or rain delays. So you much. I think it's better when they cancel it all together and just come back the next day and play. Because once you're around the clubhouse, you're like, it's almost okay. What do we do? We, you know, you can play cards for so long, you can watch movies for so long, and. It, 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 because you get up, you get such in a routine that you get up for that seven o'clock game or one o'clock game, whatever it is. That once it starts getting delayed and it drags on, it's like, all right, just cancel this thing and let's let's go tomorrow. And even in the postseason, I think that's how everybody feels. Uh, Nestor Cortez working on three days rest. Is that matters. That a big deal early on. What will you be looking for? Is it velocity? Is it location? Is it the break on the secondary stuff? What'll tell you that he's right and he's okay? Yeah, you know, it's usually the breaking ball, you know, your secondary stuff that is when, when you come back with short rest, it's not so much the velocity or the location. Usually that's probably a little bit better, especially the location because you're a little bit more more fatigued uh, when you throw. But it's how sharp is his breaking stuff. He's a guy that really is not overpowering. I mean, he's not throwing 98, 99, so I think it won't affect him as much. And with Bieber the same way, uh, you know, it's just the breaking stuff and, you know, that's the only thing that you kind of look for with guys on short rest. And with both bullpens now, I mean, probably the Indians or Indians, the so Guardians, a little bit more rested than the Yankees. Uh, they, they probably favor just a little bit more in, in the bullpen. That's why I would have, you know, as far as it dragging on yesterday, I would have rather played last night if I'm the Yankees because then you're seeing Savale instead of Bieber today. Oh, okay. I, I, when will Booney know to take Nestor Cortez out? I mean, that—that that is the big question, right? He's got a rested bullpen now. He's got Peralta. He's got Holmes. He's got Luizica. Like, when when will he know? Say he goes three scoreless, and he's got, I don't know, 60 pitches. Is that the well, time? Is it innings? Is it number of pitches? How will he know? No, I think it's how good they do out there. I mean, it's if they can – so just because they're on short rest, I mean, you might have a little gauge and say, okay, hey, we're going to try to get to 85 or 90 pitches. But I think they're full bore. I mean, if they're out there throwing up zeros, there's no sense of getting them out of there. With the Yankees, you want to eliminate as many outs as possible in that bolt. So you would love Nestor to go as far as he could go. And if they're giving up runs, obviously game five, you know, you have a short leash. I mean, you're getting them out of there as quick as possible. So I think both sides, you know, as they're throwing up zeros, they're still in. How do you explain what has happened to Aaron Judge so far this postseason? You know, I, I think it's it was a grind all through the year, especially late. You know, I was I was here for a lot of that. You know, doing radio and doing the Yes Network stuff. And once I once Milwaukee on when he was, I think he hit fifty eight and fifty nine when I was in Milwaukee, and then he hit sixty. You know, the pressure that was put on him to, or that he probably felt. I mean, every single fan was standing on their feet when he got up. You know, all you know, every network around the United States was going to that game and seeing how every at bat he was going through. His parents were there. The Maris family was there. Uh, it, it, it was just like a, it's an exhausting time, I'm sure, for him. And 
you know, he never really got a break. And, and in the postseason, it's so magnified. You know, every at-bat is magnified. I mean, this guy's hit 62 home runs. Everybody expects him to hit a home run every single at-bat. Uh, you know, I think he probably presses. You know, you can expose him a little bit with the breaking ball, and, and the Guardians have done that. So he struggled a little bit as far as that and as far as his strikeouts. But the amount of pressure, I mean, imagine if he didn't get to hit, if he didn't get to 62. I mean, it, you know, it's almost, is that a failure? I mean, this guy hit 61 home runs and everybody's expecting him to hit 62. And it's like, oh, you failed. You know, what a terrible season. But, you know, the thing that he did hit 62, I think it's just the pressure and the, and the fatigue that he's been feeling. Oswaldo Cabrera is playing shortstop. Is that fair to him? Is that a big deal if you're a Yankees fan? What's your thoughts on him playing short? No, I think he's an outstanding athlete. I think he can handle any position. I mean, you know, he looks so comfortable everywhere. Uh, you know, even in left field, you know, I think because there's a couple of balls that drop in the third base and shortstop in him, well, games, you know, that was just a communication. Probably a young outfielder, not a call off the infielders because I'm coming into the ball, but he's such a great athlete. The only thing I was a little disappointed in is they should have had Peraza on the roster. And that way they could have kept both of those guys in the lineup. Peraza is a really good athlete, and a really good shortstop uh, with Kiner Falefa. I think he's just pressing too much. And I don't know what they'll do going forward. If Yankees do advance, it's just, he's just making this moment way too big and it's affecting him in the field. Jeff, listen, I, we know you have a lot of work to do today. Really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your Thanks time, a lot. as always. Ha- have fun today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Yes, sir. Take care. That's uh, Jeff Nelson, four-time World Series champion with the Yankees. Yes, network analyst. Yes, Mr. Barker. Did, did you hear Jeff say that, that Bieber is pitching today? Yeah, the in, uh, as as he was talking, I just, I just double-checked. Guardians PR is saying it's Aaron Savali. Okay. Now I know that there was I, I no I know that last night uh, Terry Francona in his session with the broadcasters was a little he didn't really say let's wait around until tomorrow but he I mean he hedged a bit right he hedged a bit mm-hmm. but according to Guardians PR Aaron Savali is getting the start today uh, listen I would imagine. If it go well, I don't know. If it goes haywire in the first inning, if they're down early, maybe you do go to Shane Bieber. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, this is the issue for Terry Francona, right? Because if you're down early, chances are pretty good your your offense is is going to be hard pressed to come back from a three nothing, four nothing second inning deficit if you're Terry Francona. And I think at that point, maybe you're thinking, you know, okay, I go with Shane Bieber to try to stop the bleeding. Or do I go right into my bullpen right away to try to stop the bleeding, knowing that I got Shane Bieber if somehow we do pull this out? And also, again, knowing that you, know, you pointed this out, Shane Bieber's had some shoulder issues this year. And, and yep. I keep reminding people, we don't know how healthy or unhealthy these guys really are at this mm-hmm. time of the year. Certainly Terry Francona would have a better handle on that than anybody else but yes I, I heard Jeff Nelson say that and I didn't want to correct it right away because I didn't I I just noticed now that Guardians PR I think about half an hour ago confirmed that Aaron Savali uh, okay. that Aaron Savali is 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 starting uh, for the Guardians interesting hearing Jeff Nelson talk about as uh, as Waldo Peraza as well who is actually more highly touted as a prospect than as Waldo Cabrera 
Isaiah Kiner Falefa, I, I, he, he's for Yankees fans, he's become almost as much, he's become more of a flashpoint, I would suggest, even than Aaron Judge, because there's been kind of an unhappiness with him all year. He just hasn't come as advertised. He hasn't come as advertised. And I love what Jeff Nelson said, how he's let the moment get too big for him. I think I think he has. And uh, I I am a little surprised that Pedraz isn't on the <laughs> roster. It would be interesting to see moving forward uh, if they do put him on there. Um, I, I mean, if I'm if I'm Brian Cashman, I've shown so much faith in Kiner Falefa right now. I can't imagine that I'm necessarily going to drop him. I I don't I don't uh, know how you could I don't know how you could start. Roster. How could you start Cabrera in an elimination game and then put Falefa back in there after that? You couldn't. I mean, Cabrera going forward now is your shortstop in my eyes. I mean, you, I don't think you can continue to flip flop him in a big game like this. You're putting your guys that you think are the best guys for that position, and they seem to think that Cabrera is the best shortstop that they have on the roster. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what you do. I, I think sometimes just the the being in New York, failing on both sides of the ball at this time of the year is not the easiest thing for some guys to handle. And I think Isaiah Kiner Falefa sorta is one of those guys that falls into the mix. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, he ain't the first guy, but I just I think oh, no. that sense of urgency when it comes to you know this is an elimination game, we're going to put the best dudes that we have on the field. And you, if you're a Yankees fan, you kind of like that. I don't, at least I do. And I'm you're, not a Yankees fan. Yeah, I'm a baseball fan. No, if you're if you're Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, look, the message is clear. This is the biggest game of the year, and, and you're not our choice at shortstop. And it, yep. you're right. It is hard. However you massage that, however you tell that to a guy in a meeting, that's awfully hard to come back from, especially if it's the Yankees. Especially if it's the Yankees. Because there is – it's one thing when – the manager of the Seattle Mariners makes a move because he thinks he gives it gives his team a better chance to win. It's another thing when the manager of the New York Yankees benches a guy. It, mm-hmm. it just is. It's different. Getting benched in New York is different. Getting taken out of the lineup in New York is different. Um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, the Yankees go on. He gets another shot. He responds, and we got a great story. But... There's nothing, Kevin. We've seen him a lot this year against the Blue Jays as well, and I, I mean, I admit I just, just kind of shrugged my sh- shoulders and say I, I didn't see the reason for the Yankees' faith in him. I just didn't. And so you he, think he he's just a guy? He was just a guy, right? I think he's just a guy. I think he's just a guy. Uh, and I, you know what? I'll take. Yeah, there's a lot of inexperience there, but <laughs> I think Susan Waldman pointed this out about Cabrera. He does. The moment's not too big for that kid. You can, you can stick you can him anywhere. That. And, Kevin, there are some guys like that. Right? The yeah. moment's not too big for him. Wherever yep. you stick him, the moment's not too big for him. Tony Gwynn Jr. is a San Diego Padres radio analyst. The Padres and the Phillies will get their series going tonight. Zach Wheeler against you, Darvish. There is some awfully good pitching Oof. in this series. And there are some big, big big-name players, including, of course, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who were free agents at the same time, and there's kind of a cool story there. Manny Machado came close to signing with the Phillies. Who knows what would have happened if he'd signed with the Phillies? Would Bryce Harper have ended up going to San Diego? Would Bryce Harper ended up have ended up going someplace else, maybe to San Francisco? Uh, these two have kind of, their stories have been tied together. So there's a ton of star power in this series, regardless of the fact that 
the two favorite teams, the Braves and the Dodgers, aren't there. Tony Gwynn Jr. will join us next to break it all down. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. A reminder that uh, you can subscribe to our pod wherever you get your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever. If you do subscribe, please rate and review. Leave a five-star rating for Barker. It makes him feel good. I need it. I, of course, don't care. <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It would mean a lot to me, too, but it would frankly mean more to Barker. And let's face it, at the end of the day, keeping Barker happy is the mu- much, much, much more important, uh, is, is, is a much more important thing to do. That's what than, they say. Uh, than keeping me happy. Uh, the Padres and the Phillies will open their NLCS tonight, just as we all predicted going into the going into the postseason. I nailed it. Uh, it yeah, you did nail it. I mean, it's bizarre. You know, the the... The whining I'm hearing from some people about, well, you know, the 100-win team's lost and, you know, there's no star power without the Dodgers in it. I mean, first of all, 100-win teams, that guarantees you nothing in baseball. I've got my NLCS 6 to watch up on Sportsnet.ca. You'd be surprised how often 100-win teams don't win anything. I mean, they just don't. There have been, like, 32 100-win teams since 1989, five of one World Series. Wow. Almost more than twice as many haven't made it out of their division series. I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. As uh, as Alex Cora told us uh, when the Red Sox were in town last, we were talking about Jackie Bradley Jr. and why it is that so many players, unheralded players, have big postseasons. He said it's because in baseball it doesn't matter what you do as much as when you do it. And I think the Padres are a clear example of that. Tony Gwynn Jr. is a Padres radio analyst. And as I said, the name Tony Gwynn, very much synonymous with uh with baseball in san diego tony uh, thanks so much for joining us today before we do a deeper dive into this series how just how special has it been for you knowing you know knowing how important your your dad is to this baseball history not just baseball history in san diego what was it like for you to see the reaction of that crowd this weekend and, and, and to see the celebration of the Padres? Uh, thanks for having me on first, but it, it was, it was amazing. I think, um, having been here my, my almost my entire life, um, outside of, of my playing career, you really understand why it is that there was so much emotion tagged to, um, that victory uh, a few nights ago. I think here in San Diego, we're so used to something going wrong or, or not really ever having a chance um, and, you know, been waiting some, for something like this since 1998. So, I mean, it's been a long time, and uh, I think you saw that in the celebration, and, and it meant a lot to myself and my family um, because my dad was a big part of this organization, and I, I'm sure – uh, him looking down, he's probably got a huge grin on his face. 
Tony, whenever I look at the lineup for the Padres, I mean, there's stars throughout it. Manny Machado, Juan Soto, you know, Josh Bales having some things going on. Trent Grisham's the one guy that, that, that stands out to me just because of the year he had, and all of a sudden he's called fire. Can you explain it, or there's really no answer for it? You don't want to rock the boat. You don't sit beside him. You leave him alone. You don't ask him questions. You just let him <laughs> run out there and get three or four hits a night. You know, it just goes to what you guys were speaking about before I came on there, you know. It's baseball, and sometimes it's not about uh, how you do it. It's about when you do it. And um, for me, it goes back to Bob Melvin. Despite him hitting under 200 um, for the year, Bo Mel never really wavered in terms of knowing that the Padres' best offensive lineup is when Trent Grisham is going well. And that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you're fighting to get into the playoffs in the first place. You got to find ways to win games. And um, but he never wavered. He, he always maintained that um, Trent would have to be a big part of it if they were going to make some noise. And he kept telling Trent that. Um, and you know, as a as a as a guy who played in the league as a fourth outfielder, that's huge to be able to get that from your manager. And he stayed with it. And sure enough, he has been the best player. Uh, for the entire postseason for the Padres, in my opinion. You know, looking at the Padres' bullpen, and, and um, I think so, it was it might have even been Bill Shaken of the L.A. Times uh, wrote this, you, you know, and, and, and did the numbers on it. You look at Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, and, and obviously Josh Hader, the closer, uh, Tim Hill to a lesser degree. But I look at those three guys. Tony, I don't need to tell you this, they've averaged – combined the three of them 99 miles an hour in their fastball in the postseason yeah yeah that's an average now how much of that is do you think a product of the fact that as i look at the san diego padres they got the fourth most innings out of their starting pitchers in baseball this year houston cleveland seattle san diego philly the yankees atlanta those were the top seven Guess what? A lot of those teams are still in the postseason. Does that explain this velocity as well? The fact that these guys simply haven't been used as often as perhaps some of the other relievers they're they're coming up against. It certainly explains part of the pic- picture that 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 it that it shows. Um, they they are all high velocity guys anyway, but uh, it's such a flip from the 2021 season where the bullpen literally kept pace with the starters for innings pitched throughout the course of the season because the starters were having such a difficult time and there was injury involved this year complete opposite and i think it was last year was a motivating factor for uh you darvish in particular joe musgrove blake snell joe had a good year but you and joe or you you and blake struggled with injury uh during the course of the year so they came in the spring training and kind of set a tone Early, they were ready to throw the batters first day, and you just you know you don't see that often um, come spring training, and so they set the tone, and it has allowed the bullpen to flourish. I, I personally think once Pater was brought over, and he settled in, he had a rough month or two during the course of the season. Once he settled in, it really made the bullpen better because now Bob Melvin could work backwards. He know who has the ninth. And these, the rest of these really talented arms got the slot-in spots where they could have the most success, and I think that's a big part of why the Padres have been able to go on the run. They basically made these games a six-inning game. 
Uh, Padres are getting Zach Wheeler. You talk about velocity, you talk about location, you talk about easy. I mean, that is just flowing out easy, coming out hot. It's got the late giddy up to it. What what should the Padres approach be against Wheeler? And is there one guy in that order that's got some serious equipment when it comes to mechanics, bat speed, all the things that it takes to hit a guy like Wheeler that can help the Padres beat a guy in that first game and get them off to a good start? Uh, well, obviously Juan Soto and Manny Machado, they, they have all those tools that you're talking, you know, and with Wheeler, the thing I've noticed, and, and it started against the Padres this year and, and watched them pitch over the course of the year, he, his fastball, as you said, has late life, but he likes to try to get it in on your hand. He likes to stuff it, and this is both to lefties and righties. I think early on, if the Padres can get him out of there and, and, and really spook him from staying in there, they can have some success. In the last start, I mean, that's all he did. It was fastballs in, sliders into the righties, uh, or to, excuse me, to the lefties, and he had a ton of success. Just the Padres just couldn't get the barrel there. And I think this team is a different offensive team than when they faced him last time. But I think that's one of the things you got to do early: is get him out. Don't allow him to dictate the inner half of the plate because if he does, he's going to be tough. Tony, you talked about <clears throat> Bob Melvin a little earlier in terms of maintaining that, that faith with Trent Grisham. And I'm looking at Bob Melvin. Here's a guy that came over uh, from the athletics, you know, a, a, a smaller budget team. He joins a team that has a you know, generational player in Fernando Tatis Jr. who's hurt. Uh, he joins a team with Manny Machado, big contract. Here comes Juan Soto, again, another generational player. He's got all those guys. He's got Jake Cronenworth. He's got, I mean, he's got Austin Noll. I mean, he's got guys at every, all ends of the spectrum, and he makes it work in, you know, with the team that, as you said, history hasn't always treated kindly. What did we learn about Bob Melvin this year? I guess I'll rephrase that because you spend so much time around the team. What did you learn about Bob Melvin, the manager, this year? I learned that uh, he's extremely intelligent when it comes to the game of baseball. He's a he's a really, really good communicator when it comes to those different personalities that you're talking about. And um, his steadiness was something the Padres really needed. There, there has been so much turbulence, um, whether it was the collapse in September last year, whether it was Fernando being out to start the season, whether it was Fernando – you know, being suspended for the rest of the season, he has maintained just the steadiness that I think the players have bought into from, from day one. It's a business-like approach. He lets every guy be himself. Um, and I, I think there he, he comes into the locker room with, with some gravitas as it is because of his background. He's one manager of the year twice. But uh, the, the thing I take away is, is the steady hand, that he keeps on this ball club and knowing when to turn it up on him. Listen, it was, it was a September mid September game in Arizona. The Padres that just got shut out by a rookie pitcher. He hadn't, he has defended them all season long that night. He said to the media, if we're going to play like this. We ha- we're, we're not going to have success here, September and October. Uh, and then he relayed that to the players. And it's, it is that type of timing and understanding when it's time to flip the table or, or to call your guys out. Uh, he had that. And from that point on is where the Padres season really turned into what it has been here the last, you know, three, four weeks. Tony, is it for sure that Mike Clevenger gets a start? I think it's going to have to be. 
Um, there's only the one off day here after Wednesday's game, and then you got five straight. And so um, without the extra off day in there, and that's assuming the series goes the distance, uh, which it very well could. These teams are so evenly matched. Um, I-, I would say he's going to have to have a start. Tony, listen, really good of you to join this, uh, to join us today again. As someone who was lucky enough to cover your your dad as a player, uh, and I actually saw him get that big hit in Montreal uh, in person, uh, I, I'm I'm really happy that the Padres are where they are, and I hope they keep it going because I'm as as you said, it means a lot not just to the fans in San Diego, but to you and your family. So uh, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna extend congratulations to you. And I hope that this keeps going, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Awesome. No problem. Thanks for having me, fellas. Have fun. Tony Gwynn Jr., Padres radio analyst. Uh, yeah, it was funny. I was thinking back, Kevin. We had um, we had Tony on early in the year. And I remember he made an unsolicited comment about Bob Melvin. And I know we've gone back and forth about, you know, how much – a manager can impact the team. But you look at the drama around that team, which is, I mean, just think think about the stuff. Think about the stuff that has, think about the players that have gone through that clubhouse this year. Mm-hmm. Think about the history of that franchise. Sometimes I do think that a manager, just by his personality, can make a difference and, and, and deflect stuff. And... Mm-hmm. I think you saw that with Bob Melvin this year. Like he does, gr- and and you see his body language in the dugout, Barker, and we've seen him with Oakland. Like he does yeah. not get rattled. Yeah, I, I I do think a manager's only as good as his players. It helps to have a hot Soto and a Manny Machado, and and have Josh Hader doing Josh Hader things, and and that bullpen starting to solidify itself, and having no brainers down there. I think that helps a lot. But you, you, Tony mentioned it. You just mentioned it there with Trent Grisham. Or you could have gave up on him. I mean, he stunk all year. He was awful. It's atrocious. Yeah. Like you had you have no reason to to give him chances in the playoffs. You could go to somebody else. You didn't. If you're Bob Melvin, you have some faith that he can get it down and get it singing. He's gotten some big hits. And I do think managers that have a slow heartbeat who understand how hard baseball is sometimes can just say, look at big picture. This dude can play. I see what he did in the season. But you believe that him having, you know, faith that I have faith in him is a big deal. And I think that individual thing. But I do think it helps a lot when your best players are your best players. Sure. And right now the Padres' best players are being their best players. And it doesn't help that you, Darvish, is great. Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove is about the best threes you can get in baseball right now. Yeah, I found it interesting the way Tony said that Bob Melvin understands that his best offensive team has to have Trent Grisham on the field, even if he isn't hitting. In other words, you're not just reacting to what you are seeing in front of you on the particular day. You're tapping into your body of knowledge and probably, frankly, analytics. Probably telling you, hey, we have a better chance of winning when this dude's in the lineup. And you know what? If you've got that faith in that type of player, if the dude is good enough, ultimately he's going to reward you. And, and that's what I like about you know, about a manager who'll stick with the guy instead of just reacting. To so you're saying you believe in momentum now? No, I believe in body of work. I believe that if... if, if with Trent, Trent Grisham, the body of work stunk. Nah, but, but what I'm saying is... What I'm saying is, 
I believe that if I thought at the start of the year that my best lineup included Trent Grisham, Mm -hmm. even if he doesn't do it during the year, but the body of work made me think originally that that was the case, I got to stick with that. And you know what? You are right, Kevin. You can do that when Manny Machado is doing Manny Machado things. That helps. And you know another guy we don't talk about? Now, I'm not going to start trade rumors, obviously, but think Jake Cronenworth would fit in the Jays? He'd look nice. What, what There's position another guy he play we, to? He plays second, second base. Yeah, he oh, plays second, second, first, and third. I'm, j- I'm just, but we don't talk about him a lot. He, he's got a lot of big hits for this team. I, I talked about Austin Nola. Eight hits out of the number nine spot mm-hmm. in a series? Yep. Are you kidding me? They're going to have to do that to beat the Phillies. Like yes, There's going to have to be some unknowns that you don't think are you know, can come up big that have to come up big. and But, again, it starts pitching. Like, to, to, to say that it's going to – hits are going to be hard to come by. It's oh, the it's... understatement of, of the however many games they're playing because, I mean, it's just it's, – it's located consistent power with tumbling secondary pitches. And you, Darvish, has got 19 pitches. <laughs> like, I, I mean, to say what, there could be – some... Are you telling me he's cut down <laughs> in his pitches? He's got 19. As, mu- as much as these guys guess, they could be guessing like crazy. How can yeah. you guess right? No, yeah. it, it is. It, it's going to be a. It's going to be a really fun series. It yeah, listen. Be. I would like to have seen the Braves and the Dodgers for a variety of reasons, but I'm as a baseball fan. I'm intrigued by this, and I love the fact that we're starting to see Manny. Or we're starting to see Bryce Harper have a little bit of individual postseason success. Oh, and by the way, again, you remember how I talked about this year how National League fans that were whining about the DH, how yep. uh, you know how. If it wasn't for the DH, you wouldn't be seeing, uh, you wouldn't have seen Albert Pujols this year. Guess what? If it wasn't for the DH, you wouldn't be seeing Bryce Harper because he's got no, his his ligaments are shot. He cannot throw the baseball. So again, those of you who at one point thought, oh my God, it's a sacrilege that the National League's bringing in the DH. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, it makes the game better. Uh, it is that time of the show, Barker's Backlake Bits, where we solicit questions from you, the listeners. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. DMs are always open. We have a couple of questions, Kevin, sent in by people who are listening during the show, which I really like. Uh, one, Bob in Mississauga, and thank you for the kind words, Bob. Bob wants to know, and I can't use his original Twitter handle name because we'd run into uh, some CRTC violations. It is a witty one, mind you. Bob wants to know, with all this talk today about Aaron Savali or Shane Bieber, why wouldn't to- why wouldn't Terry Francona consider using an opener to get through Aaron Judge and basically, from that point on, let Aaron Savali work his way through the rest of the order? Interesting thought. My first reaction was, Aaron Judge hasn't done jack in this nope. series. He's not, nope. I'm not going to make him force my hand. We, we, well, we mentioned the Stanton and the Judge three for 28 in the playoffs. I think that has a little something to do with it. Again, I think that Terry Francona knows his pitching staff better than we do. And to use Bieber in a weird way when he's had injuries, when, you know, their bullpen is locked and loaded. Like, he's got every single arm that he needs to go to for multiple innings if he needs them. I think that all comes into play in – Again, you got to know how to read the room, and I think Terry Francona is one of the best at doing that. We talk about managers that that are just the best at doing what they're best at doing, and Terry Francona is at the top of that list. I 
I think it has to do with health. I think it has to do with how the other teams top of the lineup's been doing. And I think it's what you have out of the pen, raring and ready to go, which is three or four of the best arms in all the baseball that Terry Francona has at his backing. Chuck E. in Vancouver says, hey, Barker, thanks for putting up with Blair all year. If you mm-hmm. can do it, I can do it. Thanks for the kind words there, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> Chuck wants to talk about something we, re- we referred to. He's saying he's looked at the, at the innings pitched and found out the same thing we did, that you know, the top seven of the eight teams that are left in the postseason right now, and that includes the, the Yankees and, and, and the Guardians, they all got the most innings out of their starting pitchers this year. The Dodgers, I think, were something like 11th or 12th in terms of innings out of starting pitchers. So his question was, you guys spend all your time talking about the Jays' need for bullpen arms. If starting pitching and innings out of your starting pitching is so important, should the Jays not concentrate on adding another starting arm this offseason as well? No, I think they need both. I mean, you look at the, the, uh, the Yankees the and Jays, the Guardians. By the, way, were, the Jays, by the way, were 18th. In baseball, in innings out of their starters. Yeah, you look at the you look at the American League game today. The, it's all about who get their bullpen with the lead. I mean, it's about the bullpen. You look at the National League; it's about the starters. It's it's you need both, right? You need to solidify a ninth inning. You need an eighth inning guy, and you need some guys who can give you length that have nasty stuff. And that's why these teams are going as deep as they're going. Zach Wheeler's really good. Aaron Nola's really good. Ranger Suarez, you know, Noah Syndergaard looked like he knows what he's doing by adding, subtracting a little bit more. We know what the Padres are doing. Like it's about pitching, pitching, and more pitching. This time of the year, you talk about power, you talk about movement, unpredictability, all those things. And do the Jays have it? That's the they don't. I mean, we can sugarcoat this any way you want to sugarcoat it. They don't have enough. And I, I, when you're talking about the guys that have went down with the Blue Jays, if, if Ross Stripling would have went down, well, what happens to the Blue Jays? And that just can't happen next year. If they want to make a deep run, they got to have numerous guys to be able to do that. And they, Ross Atkins has his work cut out for him. And he Listen, I, I, I'll say this. The Jays need to get better pitching next year. They need better relievers. And I, I, I'm kind of with the caller or with the, 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 uh, the messenger, with the tweeter, whatever the hell he is. Uh, I'm kind of with Chuck as well. I would like them to at least kick around the idea of maybe bringing in a starting pitcher. I know that's a long shopping list, but it doesn't have to be an ace. But at the very least, they need somebody to replace Ross Stripling. Mr. Barker, as always, thank you very much for doing this. Lots of baseball today. We'll be back to break it down tomorrow. Again, 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You can listen to us via podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Enjoy the baseball.